Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. All right. Thank you. Um, before we get going with the message today, I do want to take a moment um, and uh, both recognize and pray over a group of people. Uh, today is the first uh, day of the semester at um, Leaders for Christ Training Center. So that is a Bible school that is housed at the Granville Res Life, and we have quite a few students who are studying there. So if you are one of the students who is studying there, would you please come on forward? And we're just going to pray with you guys, for you guys. I don't remember how many. There's quite a few more who are coming at other services. Oh, we got people coming down from the camera and everything. Um, so th- just so that you're aware, this is an opportunity. We have the, the Granville... Um, Res Life Campus, they host this. These guys will actually end up with an with a associate's degree after a couple of years here if they continue through that, but it's a great opportunity to just get grounded in God's Word and grow. So let's reach out our hands and just pray a blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are growing these people in their knowledge and hunger for you, Lord. We pray your blessing on them. We ask that you would use this time of growth and learning uh, to prepare them and to, to expand your kingdom. We pray a blessing over them and their family. We pray peace and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for, for coming up. And um, we are in the middle of what we call pray first. We talked last week about the value of putting um, God first in our, our finances, in our time, in, in every way. And one of those things is we take the beginning of the year, and as a church, we try to focus on putting God first and praying. Um, you are invited, not required, but invited to join us in um, what the Bible, uh, well, what Daniel did in the Bible and what many people have come to call a Daniel fast, which would be 21 days of setting aside um, something. Often um, it would be meat and sweets, um, but setting something aside in a, in a type of fast to seek the Lord. So we're one weekend. We were praying um, each day for a different topic. Today we're, we're lifting up the nation of Israel. How many have realized the Bible says that he will bless those that pray for Israel and bless those that bless Israel? Um, it is, it, you don't get a more biblical topic to pray about than the peace of Israel. So we'll be lifting that up as a church body. Um, and it comes from Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. It says, At that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. And we talked last week, if you want to get into some of the fasting. Um, but I'm going to continue speaking about prayer. Now, I was talking with a group of pastors recently, and we were talking about the, how we focus on prayer at the beginning. And the one pastor said, you know, he says, that's tough. He says, we get a lot of visitors to our church at the beginning of the year, just like the gyms do. You know, all right, I'm going to go to church again. I'm going I'm to go to work again. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go do this. He says, we get a lot of visitors. And, and when we pray, talk on prayer, they don't want to come back. And I thought, man, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right if you don't want to come back. Because I, what, what we're going to learn today about prayer, I feel like isn't going to discourage us. It's not going to be like, oh, I guess they want me to talk to God again. <laughs> but we're going to learn some stuff that I think is going to make prayer more invigorating in our lives, more 
powerful and help us understand the point and purpose. So what my, my title for today is, what is the point? What is the point? Now, first of all, God said, may my house be a house of prayer. That is Jesus' desire. One point is just to be obedient to God. But why did God institute prayer? Why, what is that? So for, first, I'm going to go to one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Acts 17, 24 through 27. I love this passage because Paul is talking to a group of people who have no idea who God is. And in just a few verses, he breaks down, this is who God is, what he did, and why he did it. So, this is what he says. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that. So all, what did God do? He created the entire world. He created every person you've ever seen from Adam and Eve. He did all of that for a reason. What was that reason? God did this so that they would seek him. Think about it for a second. The reason was God desired that we would choose to seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from us. You know, this kind of reminds me of my teenagers. How many of you guys have teenagers? Had teenagers? Were teenagers? Okay. Classic. I, I go into my, parent, my, my teenager's room, I'm like, hey, what's happening? And they look at me like I did something wrong. I'm like, what are you doing in here? Why, why are you in my room? And I'm like, because I want to hang out. Like, I just want to talk to you. I want, like, what's going, tell me, what's happening? You know, what's going on in your school? What happened at school today? Uh, you know, one of, my, one of my elementary kids got in the car the other day, and, uh, and he says, I said, so what happened at school today? He's like, nothing. And I'm like, nothing. Are you serious? Nothing. I mean, nothing happened. Like, they didn't do anything. That is amazing. I've never heard of someone going to school and doing nothing all day. Okay, we did something, Dad. You know, what, now, what is it? As, as a father, I desire to connect with them. I desire relationship with them. One of the main reasons we exist is because God desires that from us. When we pray, we don't have to have some elaborate list of what's going on. Do you, do you, I don't care what my kids tell me about. I'm like, they're like, well, what do you want to know? Anything. Anything. I just desire relationship with them. Matthew 6, 7, and 8 says, And when you pray, do not babble on like the pagans, for they think by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I remember reading that verse and being like, so what's the point? If God knows what I want, why do I even got to say it? it? And here's the thing. We don't pray to inform God. That's not the point. It's not like God doesn't know what's going on. 
we pray for other reasons. One of those reasons is because that is intimacy. That's the relationship God desires. But my kids, they can tell me something I might have heard or known already. I don't care. I wanna, how many of you have ever held a conversation with a baby? And you're like, oh, how you doing? Oh, look at this. And the baby smirks, and then the conversation extends for another minute and a half. Like, it's, it's not that that baby has to say something intellectually engaging and something profound that you have never heard before. No. You desire to interact with that baby, especially if it's yours. You de- man, you, you are sold before they speak. You just want them to speak. So one reason, top reason, is we were created for relationship. Second reason for which we were created, and this this will be new to some of us. If you've been here for a year, I talked about this last year when we were going opening um, in prayer. But Genesis 126 says, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures moving along the ground. We were created to rule or have dominion. Psalms 8, 4 through 6 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of him, human beings that you care for them? You made them little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. You and I were created for relationship with him and for dominion here on earth. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that that I was created to rule? I have authority. How many of you have ever rented someplace? So you, you, you rent an apartment. Whose apartment is it? Whose apartment is it? It's yours. Kind of. Right? Can the landlord just come barging in there whenever he wants? Be like, hey, I own it. No. You guys have a deal. You pay him, and he gives you dominion over your apartment. If the landlord wants to fix something in there, what does he do? He's going to ask. He's going to say, hey, I see there's an issue with the, the sink or with the, this or that. You know, can we come in at such and such a time and do it? Why? Is it, is it that the landlord doesn't own it? I mean, no, the landlord gave you dominion. This is so similar to what God did. See, God gave us dominion. He gave us rulership in the world and we've talked about this before but what did adam and eve do with that rulership with that dominion they gave it to satan luke chapter five or chapter four verses um five and six then the devil this is right after jesus had been raised uh, or baptized 
come up out of the water. God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I believe that this is the first time that Satan knew for absolute certain who Jesus was. He knew it. He's like, wait a minute, all right, this is it. And so then Satan comes to try to derail the plan of God through him. Jesus is out there in the desert. He's fasting. Satan comes and tempts him. He's, this is his chance. Is he going to blow it on a bluff? I don't think so. I think he came with the truth in this sense. He says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant the kingdom of the world and said, I will give you authority over all of these kingdoms and all their glory, he said, for it has been relinquished to me and I can give it to whomever I wish. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. That was the, the devil's big offer. Hey, this place was sublet to me. I know you want it back. Worship me. I'll give you that authority. Where did, where, who relinquished that authority to the, to the devil? Adam and Eve. There is, there is a real existing authority. And the Bible says that Jesus took back that authority. He says, all authority has been given to me. And then he gives it to us. This is, this is interesting to think about why do I pray? Do I pray because God doesn't know what I want until I pray for it? No. The Bible says he already knows what you want before you pray for it. The reason that you and I pray is because that is the legal process for our authority to release him. We're like the person renting the apartment who says to the landlord, come on in, fix the sink. Does the landlord know you want the sink fixed? Yes, but the landlord needs you to say it so they can come in. I don't know if you've ever considered prayer like that, but that's what the Bible shows prayer is like. You and I were created for dominion. When we pray, it is through prayer that God gains the, attains the legal right to move here on earth. Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 10. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why isn't his will done the exact, already the same in heaven as it is on earth? Why not? Because on earth, that is God's dominion. He's not waiting for a prayer, but earth is our dominion. God gave that to us. When we pray, he says, when you pray, pray to release my will on earth. Because until, between the lines right there, until you pray that, it isn't going to happen. Why do I pray? I don't pray to tell God something he didn't know. 
I pray to exercise the dominion that he gave me that releases him to make his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is what I'm doing when I pray. It requires a faith-filled prayer to release that. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Does God hear you? Yes, he does. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. So, why do I pray? There are many other reasons, but two big ones. One is because we, we were created for relationship with God. And two is because we have dominion and God has asked us. He has told us that in order for his will to be done on earth, we need to proclaim it in prayer here on earth. It's not that we're informing God. Oh, in case you didn't know, no. He is looking for us to exercise that faith. He says, this is how I want you to pray. Pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray God's will on earth. Now, what do we pray for? Were we able to get that graphic pulled up? All right. Here is a chart, and I showed this last year, but I found this chart. I couldn't find one that was post-COVID, but this is pre-COVID. This is what, uh, according to this study, People who said they prayed at least once in the last three months prayed for these items. Okay, I hope we're doing better than once out of three months. But 62% of prayers, pray, people prayed in gratitude and thanksgiving. 61 for the needs of their family and their community. 49% for personal guidance in crisis. 47% for health and wellness. 43% for confession and forgiveness. 43, another 43 for things I suddenly feel compelled or urged to pray about, 41% for safety in their daily tasks, 37% for peace, 37% for meals, 34% for specific requests from others, 24% concerns about the nation or government. I think that might be up since this one in 2018. Um, concerns about global problems and injustice was 20%. 12% for their sleep. I was kind of surprised that made it on there, but that's good. Uh, 8% reciting scripture passages and meditations or liturgies, and then an 8% for other. Now, here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with any of those prayers. But I find it interesting that this is just, this is a, you know, a glimpse. The study was taken in the U.S., so we'll just say this is a glimpse of what the average American Christian prays for. Nothing wrong with praying for any of those things. But I want to Start with that in mind, and then I want to go to how Paul prayed. How many of you guys recognize Paul? He's a pretty good example of a Christian, wouldn't we say? He wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, he had face-to-face -face encounters, spiritual encounters with God. He, he can teach us a thing or two. And so we're going to look at a couple places where Paul prayed and then we're going to examine how he did it, and then we're going to compare it to how we pray, and then we're going to change how we pray so we can pray more like Paul. Sound good? All right, is anybody bored wishing that they, we hadn't picked on prayer? 
Here it comes. First one, 1 John 5.19. Well, actually, this is the one I already read. Skip over. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Did we see that on the top list anywhere? Wisdom and revelation? I didn't notice it. He says, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, he prays that we would become aware of the riches of his glorious inheritance. I believe his glorious inheritance, I'd say that that overlaps with our personal needs. So that was number two on the, the previous list of Americans. It was there. But it's interesting how he prayed for that. He prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance. It's interesting that when Paul prayed, he didn't say, God, please give them that thing that they lack. But Paul prayed, Please, let them see and understand. Let them get the wisdom and comprehension of what you have given them. So different. He doesn't say, oh, get them money. He says, let them see the the inheritance that they already have. Paul is extremely focused, and we're going to notice over and over, he has a really strong emphasis on our understanding and our realizing and seeing what we have. He says that you may know that which you call to, the riches of his inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength. So he prays that we would know God better. When Paul prays, and we're going to see this repeated as we look at various times that he prays, he constantly goes towards what we know. He prayed constantly about what the people in the church knew and understood, saw and realized. He said, may you know him better. May you know the hope to which he has called you and the riches, etc. He prays that our eyes would be enlightened that we would know the hope he's called us to, that we would know the riches of the glorious inheritance. And the other thing is, he doesn't just make a request. He then explains why he's made that request. Look, he says, let's go back. May he give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul does something, I call it a so that prayer. When Paul, he doesn't just ask, you know, hey, bless me. Give me this. Give me that. He says, do that so that. And then he he then attaches the purpose to the request. When we see Paul praying, he says, I pray that they would have wisdom and revelation so that they would know you better. 
And then he says, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened in order that, which is what? Another way of saying, so that you may know the hope he has called you to. Paul prays that we would be aware. Let's look at his next Pauline prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being. That's what he prayed for. Notice, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that his love surpasses knowledge. Here it comes again. The purpose. So that you may be filled to a measure of all fullness of God. Notice this. He doesn't say, I pray that God would love you. He says, I pray that you would know and realize how wide and deep and profound is the love that you already have. Paul is focused not on what we don't have, but that we would understand what we already have. He doesn't pray, God, please love them. He prays, let them see how much you love them. And let that happen for a reason. So that Christ would dwell in your hearts. And to grasp how high and deep is his love. And it may be filled to the measure of fullness. To know how deep and wide is his love. How does that differ? As, as, as I look at that and I think, how does that compare to the way I usually prayed? Paul would attach the purpose. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 says... This is another one of the Pauline prayers. And this is my prayer. That makes it pretty clear. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Anybody noticing an incredibly repetitive theme here where he constantly prays that the church's understanding and insight and awareness of what God has would grow? When we pray for people, it's interesting we're, you know, God bless them, make sure they don't get in a car accident. Make, now, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's not. But when Paul prayed, he said, expand their understanding. Build, grow their, their insight. Let them see. He says, and then, here comes that word, or words, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. So he prayed that they would be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless and to the glory of God, more knowledge. He prayed for insight. Notice again, he wants them to see and understand what they already have. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Anybody notice the repeat? To fill the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a worthy 
a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Why do you want that? Why does he want you to have your, your understanding expanded? So that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every way and bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Here, that knowledge again. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He says, he, his prayer is so that we would live worthy, so that we would please him, so that we would have great endurance and patience, so that we would have joyful, be joyful in giving and to share and in his inheritance. He prayed that we would have will. Now notice that God is pleased when we give purpose to our requests. Paul would request something and then he would explain so that. Do you remember the verse that I, I didn't quite start with it, but I... Back at the beginning, I said, I read 1 John 5, 14. It said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we ask of him. How many of you caught the condition in there? Did you notice there was a condition? It says, if we ask anything according to his will. What did Paul keep doing when he would pray for something he would then say so that and then he would attach it to an accomplishment of God's purposes this morning or last night I should say last night there was a forecast for freezing rain how many of you guys hit black ice on your way here at any point I saw a little wasn't as bad as I thought it might have been but there was some out there now I could pray God, protect my family as they drive to church. Is there anything wrong with that prayer? Not a lick. But I, I, I present to you that perhaps if Paul was praying that prayer, he would have said, protect them on their way to church so that they can grow in their knowledge of God, so that they can get to church, they can grow as Christians. He would attach God's will, God's known will, to his request. What is that one condition to having your prayers answered, just all of them? That it be according to God's will. Paul regularly connected his prayer to God's known will. When he prayed, he didn't just say, oh, you know, God, I pray that I could have a raise at work. Okay? I don't, think there, that's a, I don't think that's a bad prayer. But why? How does the raise at work complete and align with God's will? Well, that's actually not a hard question to answer. First of all, the Bible does say that he desires that we be blessed. Okay? So, God, I pray so that 
My family can be blessed having every good thing as you have requested for us. Oh, and also so that we can give to every good work. Oh, and so that we can sow into the kingdom and so that we can do this other stuff. So as I begin to pray for a raise, the biblical way to do that would be to then align that with God's purpose. What is God's purpose in my life? What do I know that God desires for? When, when I pray for healing, is it, is it good to pray for healing? Yes, it is. What would we do if we were praying the way Paul did? We would say, I pray for healing so that you will be glorified, so that this person can continue to live and and fulfill the plans and purposes that you have for them. So that when, when we pray, we need, if we're going to pray like Paul did, we're going to have so that. We're going to continuously connect our prayer and his purpose. I completely lost my spot here because I turned back. So, Solomon. We're going to go to the Old Testament. How many of you remember King Solomon? <laughs> He's famous for a couple of things, as are many Bible characters. They've got their famous, like, what they did right, and then they're also equally famous for what they did wrong. Today, we're going to talk about what Solomon did right. So, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 12, it says this, At Gibeon, the Lord, so God, appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask whatever you want me to give you, period. Can you imagine if just like God shows up and he's like, okay, one wish, go. Like ask me anything. He didn't put a caveat. He didn't put anything on there. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness toward him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, here's his request. Give your servant, a discerning heart to govern your people to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. So Solomon makes a request. His request is for wisdom and discernment and he clarifies so that I can fulfill the purpose that you have given me of ruling this nation that you gave to me because of my father. He makes his request with a so that. Now look what happened when Solomon requested and his so that tied back into God's purpose for his life. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, 
and not just long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice. I will give you what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. God said, ask. And he answered with a request tied to God's purpose in his life. He said, Give me wisdom so that I can fulfill the purpose you gave me. And God's response was, yes. When you ask for that in that way, not only do I want to give you what you asked for, but all the stuff you didn't ask for, here it comes. Kind of gives some new meaning to the scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. When we seek first God's purpose, this is his MO. He says he he blessed him because he tied in God's purpose. I believe that when we pray, we should pray so that prayers. Prayers that link what we are looking for with God's will. And if you say, well, I, I'm not really sure what God wants. You know what? That's an okay problem to have. Start learning. Get in the word. Read what does the Bible say about you. Go to God. Ask him. He says, if we ask anything according to his word, Learn what is. What, if, if someone asks me, and people have, they say, what, you know, what is it you're, you, you try to accomplish? What is the, the goal at your church? What are you trying to do? And my answer is, my goal is to equip you guys to fulfill God's purposes for your life. If you ask me, what's the next ministry that you're going to open at this church? My answer isn't that, oh, no, you know, I actually have this list. I've got one, two, three, four, we're going in this order. No, I'm going to say it depends on who's calling. You know, God has told you guys what our next ministry is going to be. One of you guys is going to come up and say, I feel called to do this. And I'm going to say, yeah, let's get behind you as a church and let's help make this happen. That's what we're supposed to be as the body of Christ. We're fulfilling God's purposes. We desire to help each and every one of you grow to fulfill that. God, Paul connected. When he prayed, he connected his prayer to God's known will. When we don't know God's will, it's time to get in and learn. The Bible is so full of so that's. He gave us Spiritual authority, Matthew 10, 1, says, And having called his 12 disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits so that 
they should cast them out and heal every disease and every bodily weakness. Healing is a so that. He gave us authority so that we would heal. Stay awake and pray. Matthew 26, 41 says, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Luke 21, 36 says, but you should be alert at all times, offering earnest prayers so that you will be strong enough to escape all the things that will happen and appear acceptable in front of the Son of Man on that day. Fighting temptation is a so that. We pray so that we can avoid temptation, so that we can escape those things that will happen. I think he was talking about 2020. Those things that will happen. Mark 3.14, and he appointed the 12 so that they would be with him and so that he could send them out to preach. Missions is a purpose that we can pray for, we can link to. Mark 11.25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father who is in heaven and earth is, will also forgive you your sins. Forgiveness. The Bible itself was written so that we could know and have certainty regarding God's will for our life. Luke chapter 1, it's the beginning of his book. He's writing and he says, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty concerning the things about which you were taught. The Bible is given to us so that we can have clarity, we can have certainty, we can understand. Luke 174 says, He granted us deliverance from our enemy's grip so that we could serve him without fear. Luke 10.19 says, I've authorized you to trample upon serpents and scorpions and triumph over all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall be capable of doing you any mischief. Other translation says harm. John 5.40 says, And still you are not willing but refuse to come to me so that you may have life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. I'm going to close just referencing that eternal life is also one of those purposes. John 3.14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that, doesn't have the so in this translation, but that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's number one purpose for each of us is that we would be forgiven and have everlasting life. Why? Because that is how we have relationship restored with him. And we read back there at the beginning, that's the whole reason he made the world in the first place. So if you know that you're forgiven and have a relationship with God, I want to just ask you, raise your hand. See, that's me. See, the Bible says know that you have salvation. If you don't know, if you're watching with us at home, if you're listening, if you're here and you don't know with certainty 
that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, you can know. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Man, that's encouraging. I want to give you that opportunity. With every eye closed, if you say, I want that certainty, I want that forgiveness so that I can walk forward with my rela- in a relationship with God and know that I'm eternally secure. If that's you, just raise your hand and we'll pray that prayer together today. If you're watching online, just repeat with all of us. Say, dear God, I believe you died on the cross to forgive my sin and that you rose from the dead victorious over death and the devil. I commit to you my life. I choose to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you and you're here today, come on forward. I've got a gift for you. If you're online, send us a note. You can send, put a comment down there. You can send us a private or direct message, whatever you're comfortable with. We do have something we'd like to get back to you, a digital gift, a little booklet to help you take the next steps. Mm-hmm.